0: Hello and welcome to the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. I'm Siobhan Booth and I am your host. This podcast is for anyone with an interest in mental health, overcoming anxiety and building confidence. So what I want to talk about today is something that I'm hoping will help people understand anxiety from um, actually quite a physical point of view. What happens in the brain why it becomes such an issue for us. And I've also got a question that somebody's asked that links in really, really well to what I'm gonna be talking about. So I'll be able to answer that question too. Now, for those of you who don't know me, I've come to this point in my life through struggling with my own anxiety issues. And those issues led me to fail my master's degree that I was doing at the time. And that's quite an interesting thing for me to talk about with people, because a lot of my clients are struggling with things that I've struggled with before in my life. And that can be a really positive thing. So I kind of want to point out and make clear that I really do understand how difficult anxiety can be. And what's quite interesting is that the master's course I was doing originally included quite a lot of neuroanatomy. So I studied a lot of the brain, how the brain works, how it functions, before I moved into more of a psychology realm. And that's turned out magically, fantastically. It's turned out to be an absolute amazing thing because having that physical understanding and also having some of the psychological understanding of how these things work has helped me immensely to understand how anxiety works, to understand how it affects people, And also to understand how it can be um, overcome, because that's really the important point. We can talk about what it is as much as we like, but the important part really is that it can be overcome. Now, for me personally, understanding anxiety in a lot of detail is really the catalyst for learning how to change it. That's how my brain works, different people are different, but I really do think that by understanding what's happening, it gives you a lot more control and it gives you a lot more understanding of the process. And the other thing, I've put this in the description because it's really, really important to me. The other thing I want to kind of uh, make really, really clear to people is I want to dispel this notion that anxiety is stupid. I have so many clients that come in and they talk through their anxiety And pretty much the first thing they say is, I know it's stupid, but this is what I think, this is what I feel. And I'm really, really quite keen to kind of impress upon people how not stupid anxiety is. And I'm hoping that as I go through the processes by which our brains do anxiety, um, I'm gonna be able to dispel some of that because it's a very um, unhelpful, a really unhelpful way of thinking about your anxiety and thinking about yourself for having anxiety. So what is anxiety? We'll start off with the absolute basics. Anxiety is a fear of a future event. It is that simple. It is that straightforward. It is a fear of something happening. We don't know if it's going to happen or not. It's a future event. We have no powers of predicting the future. Uh, Well, you might think you do, but we don't. So you don't know that that event's going to be painful, upsetting, stressful, whatever it is you're worried about. So anxiety is this fear of something that's not even happened yet. Now, when we talk about anxiety, we're talking about a few different things. There's the mental process. So there's the internal stress, things that are being said to ourselves, negativity, uh, worries, there's all of that stuff happening. And then there's also a physical side to anxiety. And this is what people are often surprised by when they come and see me, because anxiety can be horrific it can be really quite bad for people. The symptoms can range from mild heart raising, (laughs) mild heart rate being raised, to full on panic attacks and even fainting can happen um, because of the way that our body processes those fears. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. I'm not going to give you a full on anatomy lesson, but I'm going to give you enough information to give you a bit of an overview of what's happening because I think it's so important that you understand where these physical symptoms come from. Because for me personally, when I was overcoming my anxiety and when I still am dealing with the odd issue of anxiety that crops up, understanding this process helps me hugely. So over the years, we have evolved. We used to live in caves, uh, we used to forage for food. We used to live a very different kind of lifestyle to what we do now. And our brains evolved to deal with that. So our brains evolved very, very quickly to be able to identify dangers and react to them in a split second. And the part of your brain that's responsible for doing this is called the amygdala. And the amygdala can set off your body's stress responses in an absolute split second. So if there's anything that you think or your brain interprets as being a potential threat, then the amygdala will kick in and it will make sure that your body is prepared for whatever that danger is. It has no filter, it has no reasoning process, it just does, and it does it very, very quickly. That part of the brain is also linked to something called the hippocampus, and that's responsible for uh, memories and learning. So we're starting to see already how a stress response can be linked to memories and learning. So already if we've got situations that we've been stressed out in before, we have a a link in the brain. Because our body wants to protect us, our brain wants to protect us. It wants us to keep ourselves out of situations that might be dangerous to us. Now over time, if nothing really goes wrong, eventually your cortex gets involved. And this is more of your conscious brain. This is more of the reasoning brain. And that will start to look around and go, is there actually anything going on here? And if it decides that there is no danger, it will send a signal to the amygdala to turn things off. But that process is very, very difficult. It takes a while because what happens when you have that sudden explosion from the amygdala is it dumps loads of neurochemicals into your brain. And it takes a little while for all of that to be reabsorbed. So you'll have a reaction to something and that reaction might then last for a little bit longer. If you've ever been uh, in a near miss with a car or something like that, then you'll know that you get the initial response. You realise that you're not in danger, but there's still that ongoing process where you kind of have to recover a little bit. Where all the adrenaline gets reabsorbed, all of the neurochemicals that have just gone mental so that you can do stuff quickly have just been absorbed. And it's these stress responses, which a lot of people know as the fight or flight response. Um, That's what it is. Um, These responses are what causes a lot of the symptoms that you get for anxiety. So the racing heart, that's preparing your body to either run away or fight. It's pumping blood to your muscles so that you can use them quickly and efficiently. That process is also trying to empty your bowels so that you have less load That process is also making so many changes in your body in a short space of time that it makes you feel really quite ill. And those are the kind of symptoms that some people experience. And as I said before, for some people they can be quite mild, it can be a mild concern about something. But for some people it can be so bad that it results in panic attacks and for some people fainting. And that can be the most embarrassing one. So that's what your brain does. And there's a really good reason why it does this because your brain wants to keep you alive we developed our conscious beings when we lived in caves we used to forage in jungles for food and that's a really good place to be anxious is in the jungle because there's a lot of stuff in there that can eat you there's a lot of stuff in there that can poison you there's a lot of stuff in there that can generally just cause you a lot of damage and end your life so that That is a good place to be anxious. But what about now? We don't live in a jungle now. We don't have to forage for food where there might be lions. We have to go to Tesco's. (laughs) That's not really that difficult. So what happens now? When we have anxiety today, it's because we perceive some sort of threat. And it sounds silly to say it, But your brain doesn't distinguish between a concern that you're going to look stupid in front of people and something that might eat you. And what happens in that situation is your brain tries to protect you. So this is why I really dislike it when people call themselves stupid for having anxiety because this is an evolutionary pathway in your brain that is trying to protect you. It's a natural thing. So then we have to think about what we can do about that. That's the what happens and the why we get anxiety. So we have to start thinking about how this response happens in a day and age where we don't really have that many physical threats. Sometimes we do and in that situation an anxiety response is probably appropriate. If you're in danger or if you are potentially going to be in danger, that's a good time to be anxious, that's a good time to have that reaction. But if this has got to a point where it's getting in your way, and it's stopping you from doing things, then we have an issue. So we have a few options, don't we, in terms of anxiety. It might be because last time a situation went really badly and that's your amygdala and your hippocampus working together to go, next time you don't want to be in that situation because it stressed you out. We got that response, we feared for our life, so we don't want to go there again. The other option is that we simply think it's going to be bad for some reason, or we're worried that it's going to be bad, or we're saying things to ourselves that make us believe that it might be bad. And that's creating the same response too. And then linking to the question that I'm going to answer later, we might develop this, even if things have gone well in the past, because something might change in our heads that suddenly gives us some sort of doubt, some sort of concern, something that happens in our head. Now I've talked about the cognitive triangle several times, but for those of you who've not come across it before, it is basically the link between your thoughts, your feelings and your actions. So when we're talking about anxiety and we're talking about fear of a future thing, we're starting to look at what thoughts you're having. So what things are you saying to yourself in that situation that's creating a stress response? What are you saying to yourself that's causing your prehistoric brain to think I'm in danger here? And that's where we get to the crux of anxiety. That's where it starts to get really exciting for people when they start to realise what those things are. So what can we do about this? Well, this is where we learn to control these things. This is where we learn to accept them. And this is where we learn not to fight them as well. It is a natural response. Anxiety is a natural response. So there has to be another way forwards. So when it comes to anxiety, my own anxieties, by understanding that it was something that was just trying to help, allowed me to have quite a different attitude towards it. So I still feel anxious sometimes. That might be odd, but I do. I still have things that make me feel anxious, but they're not things that, or anxiety itself, is not something that would ever stop me doing something because I know what it is, I know what it's trying to do, And I know that my conscious brain, which is uh, much more evolved, is able to control the situation. So when I spoke at the Super Self Summit uh, in June, of course I was nervous before I went on. You'd have to be a little bit odd not to or very well practiced, but for me this was quite a, um, I hadn't done much public speaking before. So of course I was anxious. And of course the things that were running through my brain were what if I mess it up? What if I look like a massive tit? All of these things going through my head. And for a start, that's the first thing. If you can stop those things, then you're stopping anxiety straight off. But to a certain extent, you have to accept your own foibles. Sometimes these things creep in and they take over and you don't quite realise and you start an anxiety response. What do you do then? So for me, it's about understanding. It's about understanding that's what anxiety is doing. I don't have to panic about it. I can use breathing to control my heart rate. I can overcome some of those physical symptoms. I can use visualisation. I can use mindfulness to calm the situation. I can control my body better, but only if I know what's going on. So that is the important point. If you're struggling with anxiety, think to yourself, what is it that I'm saying to myself that creates a fear of a situation? Because it's not very likely that you're going into a life-threatening situation. There might be situations where you are, if you are, I don't know, I'm going to have to think of an example now. If you're like a daredevil or something, there may be a bit of anxiety before that might be useful. But for most of us, the things that we're going to do are not really that life-threatening. So have a think about what it is you're saying to yourself. And that leads me very nicely onto the question that someone sent me. So I'm just going to grab it so I can read it out to you properly. So I was sent this question and it says, why does anxiety start happening seemingly at random for things that I've done without anxiety for years beforehand? Now that's a really good question because a lot of my clients come in um, and say that to me. And actually it's something I've noticed that as you get older, it almost seems like more of my anxiety creeps in. And again, all I would say to that person, if you're watching or if you're watching this later, have a think about what's changed in your head. Because clearly you've approached all other situations that you've done that already in with a positive mindset. So find out what's changed. Are you feeling less confident at the moment? Has something happened that's shaken your confidence a bit? Are you saying something to yourself? Have you suddenly thought of something that could go wrong that just never occurred to you before? Have a really strong think about what it is that you might be saying to yourself that could be causing that stress response because that's all that's happening. To boil it down to a really, really simple thing is you're telling yourself to be scared of something. And your body is responding, because that's what it does. It's very, very good at it. So that's everything that I wanted to cover tonight. That's not the full neuroscience by any stretch of the imagination. It's a very simple overview. If you're interested in neuroscience, then do get in touch because I'm more than happy to talk about geeky stuff for hours and hours on end. Um, But I anticipate that not many people are quite as interested as I might be. So that's a brief overview. And I really, really hope that what you take from this is that anxiety is not stupid, but it can be overcome just by understanding those processes and by understanding what it is that you're talking to yourself about. Because the things that we say to ourselves, I know I say this over and over again, but it is so important. The things that we say to ourselves are the biggest part of all of these issues. And the other thing to think about as well is what actions your anxiety makes you take. So for a lot of people, avoidance is the obvious one. You think about something, you get stressed out about doing it, you decide not to. That's the most obvious thing. That's the most common thing that people do. But people do different things as well. Have a think about what your patterns are because your pattern of anxiety is gonna be personal to you. Some people drink too much. Some people overeat to comfort themselves. Everybody's different. Everybody has their own thing, but avoidance is the most common one. And all that really means is that you never challenge your anxiety. And the final thing to do with anxiety that I wanna leave you with is you have to dredge up in yourself a little bit of fight, a little bit of, I'm not going to let my anxiety decide for me what I want to do. Now I've written a blog which has all this information in it as well. And I've put in a jokey little conversation between me and (laughs) this sounds nuts now I'm saying out loud, but I've put in a jokey conversation between myself and my anxiety, which would be really fun for you to check out. And I like to treat it as an overprotective friend. So I thank it for its input and I politely ignore it and move on anyway because there has to be a bit of fight in there. There has to be something inside you that goes, I'm not going to let this dictate the rest of my life because everybody here, everybody in this group is far too good, far too good to have anxiety. Nobody should have to live with that, but it's a fact of life. And this was the point I was making before. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. You can find more information and my extensive blog at www.anxietytoconfidence.com. That's the number two, anxietytoconfidence.com.